Welcome to Highway to Well. I'm your host, Derek Bell, and this podcast is brought to you by the American Nurses Foundation through the generous support of the Center for Disaster Philanthropies Recovery Fund. The American Nurses Foundation has undertaken this work as part of its well-being initiative, which supports nurses' mental health through the pandemic and beyond. Decades of research have shown that practicing gratitude is highly effective in promoting physical and psychological health, both at the individual and organizational levels. This podcast series builds up previous work conducted by the American Nurses Foundation in partnership with the Greater Good Science Center at UC Berkeley. In this episode, we're talking with Letha Joseph. Dr. Letha Joseph is a nurse practitioner at the Durham VA Healthcare System and an associate with Duke University School of Nursing. Being a healthcare provider for aging veterans with modified morbidity and frailty constantly reminds her of why she is engaged in the work she does. And I love her statement that serving heroes helps her find meaning and joy every day. We want to dive in today to what it is about gratitude that makes it a struggle, despite all the evidence supporting it as a vital part of our health and well-being, and how we can build capacity to include gratitude in our lives and work. Letha, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. It is my pleasure to be here. Well, and I, I want to jump right in and talk about why gratitude is something that we, I think we easily understand it at a superficial level, but we find ourselves struggling with how we can actually integrate it into our lives. Why, why is it a struggle for us? It's a good question. You know, I was part of that gratitude practice community, the collaborative effort of the American Nurses Foundation and the Greater Good Science Center. And it was an experience that created a deeper understanding of gratitude. Also, the awareness that it is more than the plain and simple thank you. So gratitude is the awareness that goodness is happening in our lives and acknowledging that these blessings result from other people's actions. And there is a lot of evidence mounting on profound expression of gratitude is not that easy. It comes naturally, naturally for some people, but many people struggle to integrate gratitude as a way of life, as you said. Because gratitude is not just a feeling. It is the virtue that leads to the action of returning a favor. For that, the individual must realize the blessing. And in this materialistic world, many people consider the goodness in their life is due to their merit or power, something they deserve. So for them, gratitude doesn't come naturally. Research suggests that there are individual differences when it comes to feeling grateful. Differences in our genes and differences in our brain structure and also differences in personality account for such individual differences or the struggle in expressing gratitude. Mm, that I I love that you're talking about these differences here. I'd love for you to elaborate on really what those differences mean and explain that a bit more. Yeah, sure. You know, a study exploring the gratitude practice among twins noted that identical twins 
had similar levels of self-reported gratitude. But in contrast, fraternal twins mostly showed a difference suggesting a genetic component to gratitude. And another study suggested CD38, the gene involved in the secretion of the happiness hormone oxytocin may be associated with gratitude expression. And there are other genes which are also under study for their involvement in gratitude expression. And also, when it comes to brain, scientists identified an anatomical difference in parts of the brain that could be making some people less grateful than others. While these brain anatomy and genes probably are out of our control, the third factor, the personality, is something we can mold to become more grateful. Some of the personality factors notorious for creating barriers to gratitude. We are probably aware of them because they are not the virtues we all want to have in our life. They are kind of like envy, the materialistic attitude, narcissism, and cynicism. For example, when we are envious, we focus on what we don't have and what others have. Similarly, if our approach is we want everything, we are materialistic, we look forward to acquiring more or achieving more. That means the focus is what is lacking, not what we have. When we focus on what we don't have, we actually miss what we have. If we don't recognize what we have, we can't give gratitude. We won't feel grateful when we don't realize what we have. That is plain and simple. So without acknowledging the blessings we enjoy in our life, we cannot express gratitude. People with narcissistic personalities, they actually suffer from an inflated sense of self-importance. And they consider themselves worthy of receiving everything best and they are entitled to everything. So they may not even realize whatever they are getting is a blessing, it is a gift, so they don't feel the need to acknowledge that goodness or being grateful. Similarly, cynicism that leads to negativity, heated arguments and prejudiced opinions, and always complaints make it hard for an individual to feel grateful or express gratitude. So these are some of the personality traits which are probably modifiable, which are creating barriers in expressing gratitude. Yeah, there, there's a wealth of, you know, what you're talking about here is the complicated nature of where where are we looking for gratitude, but also how can we cultivate the practice of it? And what you're pointing at is, and 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 we live in in a society that unfortunately is built a lot of times on cynical um, takes, and and that increases the amount of or the type of information sometimes we're receiving, or the the our nature to that 
there's a a need to hear that, and then that creates some sometimes these these kind of like content filter bubbles and negativity. What you're talking about here, but what I want. And I love that you bring this up is what you're bringing up is the real importance of gratitude practice is that it seems like what you're saying is that we can really work through these barriers. For sure. Yes, we can work. We can count, we can put a conscious effort to create gratitude in our life. Then it started coming natural because we know the barriers, especially the modifiable ones. Put the conscious effort to identify the goodness that are happening in our life. Put conscious effort unless we sit down and look back and see what we have in life, what we enjoy, what we enjoy, what others don't enjoy. The conscious effort to acknowledge these blessings and where are these blessings, goodness coming from. So acknowledge those blessings. That leads to gratitude practice. Like, you know, activities similar to uh, creating a gratitude journal or sending a gratitude note. Initially, these things are going to take a little bit of effort from your side. These are very helpful. At this time, I should mention a practice my workplace, the Veterans Affairs Healthcare System has. Our computer system has an application, computer application, which helps us send a gratitude note to any employee. So it is, it's an easy and simple way to acknowledge a small act that made your life a little bit easier today. And that expression creates joy in you, creates joy in the person who receives that note. So I think everywhere the employees must find a way to give opportunities for plain and simple gratitude expression, which doesn't take a lot of additional effort. Once we bring gratitude purposefully with our conscious effort, it becomes, you know, it comes natural then and it becomes part of our life. And another interesting factor is there are some studies suggesting that gratitude practice interventions can make or some lasting changes to our brains. First, we said the anatomy of brain is not in our hands. We cannot modify. However, once we practice gratitude that makes changes in our brain, modifies our brain to make it even more gratitude friendly, so that means once we place some conscious effort and begin this process, it comes into a place where it comes more natural. Our brain modifies its anatomy to make us more grateful people. Isn't it wonderful that we can put some effort and an additional support coming from within to create, make, make us more grateful people and, and enjoy the benefit of gratitude practice? And because of that, that nature, that opportunity we have to change and really what you're talking about is rewiring our brain and, and reap that benefit, that neurochemical response and that, that brain. You know, we talked about this, this response that we have to gratitude and the joy and satisfaction and happiness that it does bring. Does that mean that 
it's really the opportunity for us is to look at gratitude and, and see it as a gift and reap the benefits of that. Yeah, I would say gratitude is a gift. And it's actually a gift you can give to yourself. Look, look at all the benefits of gratitude. Physical, emotional, and social health. And gratitude improves our relationships. So I would say gratitude is a benefit. It's a gift you can give to others. So in either way, gratitude is a gift, a gift to yourself and to others. And it also, it really is built on, you know, and, and you've talked about this, you know, these pathways that we're opening up and bringing in empathy and really looking at empathy as critical to that. And and that's where it helps, like, again, bringing back this gift, it's a gift to ourselves, but it's a, it's the gift to others. And it's, and it helps build community and it helps build relationships. And in doing that, it helps us feel less isolated and it, and it increases our opportunity for healthy interactions with others and supporting others and, and the whole host of other benefits that gratitude practice can bring. And, and so for us thinking about, so as we are looking at gratitude as a practice and we're, we're wrapping our hands and, and our brains around this opportunity as this powerful tool that we can use that it can be meaningful and, and really help us in moments through our daily work or in a patient care or in our relationships with others and ways that we can use it to increase our, our and sustain ourselves in just, re, you know, like you talked about reframing our brain to focusing on gratitude and, and moving it away from cynicism and, and negativity towards positivity and really growth and, and enhancing the things that we can be joyful about. I wanted to ask you to to share with us, you know, ideas of, of how we can bring that empathy, but also how can we sustain the opportunity for for gratitude and make it more part of our daily practices? Yeah, that's a great question. Because like you know, the neuroscience support the connection between empathy and gratitude. So it goes like a bi-directional relationship. Empathy creates gratitude, gratitude increases, improves empathy. So there are a lot of benefits. So how to create a life of gratitude and sustain it? It's a great question. And I think that is going to be the takeaway point for from this uh, uh, listening to this podcast. So daily we come across goodness in our life. We can take it as granted because we are used to such blessings. But if we don't recognize it as a blessing, we probably we won't even know that, yeah, it was something good happened. So how are we going to recognize it? In day-to-day life, what is happening? We are always constantly thinking, what is next? What do I need to do to complete before I start the next medication pass? Who is the patient I need to see next? So, you know, our mind is always bombarded with what is what is next. So we miss the opportunity to feel grateful for the smile we saw in our last patient's face. Or 
you know, I may not even notice that the kitchen was clean or the dinner was ready when I reached home from work. Or I may not feel that the traffic was good on my way. Something to be thankful for because things can go other way, which can be a real inconvenience. And we may not even recognize that the driver behind me was less aggressive when I failed to put the indicator for a sudden left turn. So here comes the significance of uh, mindfulness, the art of being present in the current moment and paying deliberate attention to the present moment with an attitude of non-judgment and an attitude of acceptance and awareness. So mindfulness, being present in the present moment, that helps us recognize those moments which are blessings, which are goodness, which we need to be grateful for. Self-compassion is also essential. Self-compassion is the accept acceptance of self along with everyone else that we are imperfect. And it is okay to be imperfect because we all want to see progress, no? We want to see improvement. We want outcomes and perfection, and we strive for that. So self-compassion helps us to see the positive in our lives and stay resilient. Self-compassion will focus what we have as opposed to what we don't. It will help us focus what worked as opposed to what didn't turn out right. So self-compassion and mindfulness gives us the awareness of goodness in our life, blessings in our life. So once we are aware of these things happening, we will feel like thanking for that. We will feel like reaching back to the person who made that difference, who made everything possible for our outcomes, who made our life less miserable. So I would recommend self-compassion and mindfulness to bring joy and gratitude, empathy, all those sort of happiness virtues to our life. All of this, all of these things are, are, are absolutely critical. And, and I'm joyful just hearing you talk about the opportunity. Before, before we end our, our talk today, what is one practice that you could give the listeners here that they could do immediately to reap all the benefits that you just talked about? What's, what is one thing that you would say brings us into a space where we can be mindful and practice self-compassion and be aware and be present and really help us handle the stress and the craziness of our work and, and our lives and create that moment for ourselves to be renewed in an experience? It's a, it's a practical question. I know we want to take away something from this short period of listening, but we can integrate to our daily practice. I'm not rec recommending anything new. Just wanted to modify a practice we do every day, several times a day, which is hand washing. I know we do either hand washing with soap and water, or we take the hand sanitizer and sanitize. Either way, we can modify that 20 second, the CDC recommended 20 second hand washing time 
to de-stress ourselves and feel rejuvenated. So, how to do that mindful hand washing? Before hand washing, once you are near the sink, take a deep breath in through your nose and out through your mouth. Focus on that breath and feel the tension leaving you. Next, touch that faucet and feel that touch and turn on the faucet. Pay focus, attention to the sound of the water that is splashing against the sink. Now, let the water slowly touch your hands while you focus on how the water feels on your skin. Reach out the soap and focus how it feels on your palm as you lather your hands. And also, get the smell of the soap also. Now, rinse your hands while feeling and focusing on that water, washing away the lather and giving you that nice cool feeling or nice warm feeling on your skin. Now reach for the towel, wipe your hands while you feel the touch of that paper towel or cloth towel and feel the touch once you wiped, you are feeling that touch, feeling that comfort and refreshed, rejuvenated hands, clean hands, as well as rejuvenated mind. So I recommend this small, simple exercise right before you see a new patient, right before you go into a new patient's room, or even in between procedures, whenever you wash your hands that 20 seconds, be the time you de-stress and rejuvenate. You know, Letha, I don't think I've been more excited to wash my hands now. That sounds like such an amazing activity. And, and something that you talked about too is and when we talk about integrating these practices is to use what's plain and simple and to think about what are we already doing that could be used for a moment of gratitude and presence. And that's exactly what this moment brings. And it, and it is a cleansing of whatever it is that you just encountered. So in the work environment, it can be incredibly um, monumental, a micro moment of change for you in a day when things are not going the way that you maybe have wanted or you're stressed or you're worried about things. And this gives you that chance to just stop and think and reflect and pause and add in all of these elements and practice that presence. Thank you. And thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me again. Yeah, this was um, this was amazing and powerful, and we we took the time, and I really appreciate that you you explained that you know gratitude is not easy; it requires commitment and practice, but it can be plain and simple too. And once you develop that and reframe your brain, and it's integrated into your practices, it becomes just part of who you are. And that's what we want to express and we want to have that opportunity. And that's what the toolkit is designed to do is to bring activities to people that they can practice in a moment 
and it helps get them closer to feeling joy and satisfaction. It builds the pathways for all of that so that that's those simple practices, they can improve our capacity to feel gratitude. And when we do that, we know that the brain is rewired. We know there's neurochemical responses. We know all of the science behind it. We just have to develop the practices to do it. And this was a wonderful exploration of that. So again, Letha, thank you for your time today. And we look forward to more episodes here in, in our Highway to Well journey with the Gratitude Toolkit. All the best.